0: Hi, I'm Marlon Walker and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland. And today I have got kind of an interesting episode for you guys. Um, Jason Connerly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast talked in one episode about an interview that uh, Barney of Loco Ludus did on his podcast and then got a whole number of call ins uh, responses to that kind of discussion. Um, and I originally was going to leave a couple of Collins and I did leave a couple of Collins for Jason, but I thought I would, um, would in, in classic fashion uh, that I would end up talking a whole bunch. And so might as well do an episode on my podcast just about these, uh, concepts in this subject and kind of what I think, um, about those things. So, um, Yeah, let's get into it. I'm going to start by sort of talking uh, an overview of what it is that um, was talked about on Barney's podcast and then um, on Loco Ludus, and then get into a little bit of sort of the responses on Jason's podcast, but mostly kind of my response to the original kind of um, question put forward by Jason based on this discussion. So yeah, let's get into it. All right, so I tried recording this once and it didn't work very well, so I'm gonna try again now. Um, But basically, uh, the interview, so Barney interviewed Isaac Williams uh, about Mouse Ritter 2.0 and other things, game design in general, all that sort of stuff. Um, Isaac Williams, who is the designer of uh, Mouse Ritter, um, Mouse Ritter like german for night um anyway and um they talked among other things about this kind of idea isaac had this sort of idea of um rolling dice as a not a punishment but rolling dice as a signal that um or as a a way well it's hard, hard to explain precisely. So the best thing you could do is go listen to the episode, but I think, I think a lot of it has to do with this idea of rolling dice as a signal that a situation is um, deteriorating or has deteriorated, that um, rolling dice is actually a bad place to be in the game. Um, that if the players are forced to roll dice, part of that is that the players are likely to not have, I mean, it's it's sort of OSRE and that the players are not likely to have particularly good uh, stats and skills. Um, and therefore, when they have to roll, their chances of success aren't great. And so rolling dice is sort of a... Um, essentially a a near failure state that, and I think that's what he's sort of getting at is this idea that you can um, manipulate the the flow of the game by choosing when to roll dice. Now, um, Jason sort of took this and uh, turned it into a question uh, on his podcast about how often should we roll dice And um, what kind of success rate should we expect for rolling dice? Um, And I'm going to start off with the sort of cop-out answer, which is it depends on the style of gameplay that everybody is playing and enjoying and all that sort of stuff. Um, But I've got sort of a couple of thoughts about Isaac's thing and a couple of thoughts about Jason's thing. Um, So I'm going to talk about those now. So first on responding to kind of Isaac's idea, um, I, so I'll start by saying, I think whatever works for you and your group is great. And then I'm going to say that for personally, I think that this is a um, convenient, but, ultimately flawed way to run a game. Um, And there are a couple of reasons for that. The big two, in my opinion, this to me really has to do with this discussion within the OSR about, um, for instance, just talk it out. And that's sort of how I, I put it. Just talk it out. The idea that, you know, if you want your character to say something in a conversation, you just say it um this i think has an inherent logical contradiction with the way that other facets of the game work and particularly it has to do with the idea for instance that um in order to be successful at combat in the game a player need only know the rules of combat in the particular game. They don't need to know how combat actually works in real life or really anything about how kind of real sword play works, for instance. If the character is using a longsword, they don't need to know, oh, I could, you know, switch to uh, half-swording to be more effective against these armored enemies, or I could, you know, Uh, pommel strike by um, getting in closer or I could, any any of these sorts of things um, the player doesn't really need to know any of that material about how sword fighting actually occurs in order to effectively fight with a sword assuming that they're playing like a fighter if they're playing, you know, like a wizard who is ineffective with the sword then they're being limited by the game system in that way Um, but assuming that they're playing a, a fighter character who has kind of full proficiency and all that sort of stuff, the game models out all of the swordplay stuff. Which means that when you get into talky-talky scenes and say, just talk it out, I think there is a this inherent logical contradiction because um, Players will be more successful just talking it out if they have a lot of real-world knowledge and real-world skill and if the game doesn't model any of that sort of stuff There's no way to just learn the rules of the game and have that be the way that you um, are successful that for instance um A player with a better sense of skillful argumentation and rhetoric will be more successful in those um, just talk it out situations than a player without that. Um, And that really means, obviously, we don't want, I think it is um, a fine balance to walk. But because, you know, player skill is also often considered to be important in these sorts of games. And the idea of, you know, a skillful player who is able to marshal their own um, knowledge and abilities and all that sort of stuff effectively in order to be successful in the game. um, That is important, too, in, in many of these games, or at least it's talked about as important. Um, but what I'm getting at is this idea that, um, if you don't have to know anything about how combat works to engage in combat effectively, why should you have to know anything about the way conversations work to engage in conversation effectively in, um, RPGs? And it has the added effect. And I think this is important too, um, that really, on some level, I think just roll, just just talk it out, um, is a little bit ableist. Um, I don't think it's hugely so, and I don't think it's um, intentionally so, but it is more difficult. It is, it is essentially creating a situation where someone who has any number of, um, particular issues or concerns or quirks about themselves that relate to a, a difficulty or an inability to effectively, um, or as effectively um, empathize or converse or anything like that, um, that is that's that's ableism, right? If if somebody if somebody with autism uh, is going to be permanently disadvantaged, essentially by virtue of the way that you play the game, that's uh, I think a, a problem, especially if we're Trying to um, embrace this uh, open and empathetic and understanding uh, culture of gaming that that welcomes everybody for who they are, um, or at least does as best as they can um, within the limits of the paradox of tolerance. The the you know um, is it Karl Popper paradox of tolerance. Um, Anyway, basically, that you know doesn't doesn't make it harder for people to um, well, that if if there is a system that is s- because of the way it is designed, making it um, specifically more difficult for somebody with one of these issues, then it is really um that inherent unfriendliness to somebody like that is, I think, a serious problem. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why a number of games have moved away from that concept, not just because of um, the inherent contradiction, but also in order to allow for people who are differently able to, to play effectively um, in the same way that for instance, somebody with a stutter, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't presumably, I think most good GMs wouldn't penalize their character in game um, because they, as a player are, are stuttering. Right. Um, I think that, in the same way, the problem is that often some of these um, other issues can be uh, harder to notice, right, and and harder to effectively adjudicate. Um, anyway, I don't know. I that seems important to me. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I don't know, as somebody with, um, I don't have uh super, uh, my particular form of Asperger's is relatively minor. Um, so I don't have nearly the kind of um, debilitating issues with, with social interaction that some people do on the autism spectrum. Um, but it is, I think, still really important to recognize that um, this role, this this uh, we'll just talk it out can be inherently unfriendly to um, people that are, are differently abled, as they say. Um, and therefore there's a, I think a good case to be made that it doesn't necessarily belong in certainly if, if all of your group loves playing that way, then I think that's okay. Um, but is that really the way that we want the, um, I don't know. It feels to me. Like more than anything, it is um, tradition and it is um, laziness is the wrong term, but convenience, I think, is the, the right way that that um, it is convenient to just say, oh, we'll talk it out instead of kind of creating a, a framework for engagement through the game. Um, and I don't think that convenience should blind us to the very real possibility that it is um, off-putting or making a situation more difficult for um, for players, potential potential players, or or um, current players. Anyway, that's sort of my thoughts about um, just talk it out versus rolling to talk. And, and part of why I really like rolling to talk um, is that I think it, it um, has a, an element of it, it allows players to engage with the game rules for those types of situations. In the same way that players can engage with the combat rules without needing to know how real-world combat works. Um, Yeah, that's sort of my, my two cents about just talk it out. So from all of that, to go back to Jason's question, I think it should be unsurprising that I would say you should be not necessarily rolling dice regularly, but rolling dice for pretty much any challenge or situation that um, there is a meaningful threat. Of um, defeat or loss or complication or something like that, um, and I think a lot of the games that I like do that. That that what they say is that basically, um, you know, roll. Don't you don't necessarily have to roll kind of constantly in the game, but whenever there is, you know, don't have a, a player be able to just describe their way out of a challenge, Um, have it be a a real, and I think that goes to a couple of things. One is, um, in my opinion, the rules are at the core of how the player expresses agency within the game world, and that by um, moving around or uh, avoiding those, Rules, you actually um, create a situation where the player's agency is less within the game world is less determinate. Right? One of the advantages of dice is that, um, well, a dice are fair. You know, they're they're not um, weighted one way or the other. They're not weighted towards one player or the other, and they are consistent. Um, in the sense that you you know what um, what the dice roll means and what it takes to to succeed and all that sort of stuff. And for example, if uh, you're playing something like 5e and have a plus four modifier and need a 10 or better, so what you actually need is a six or better, you have a 25% chance of failing, one through five on the D20 to uh, fail And a 75% chance of succeeding. And that's consistent across everything. That doesn't require the GM to make any decision about your um, description being particularly better or particularly worse. That doesn't require anything about... um, that is is consistent, presumably every situation that is about that same difficulty, you'll have that same chance of success or failure. And I think that's a really good um, thing for players making intelligent and informed decisions as their character. Um, and that to me is at the heart of what role-playing is, that role-playing is not talking as your character, role-playing is not um, any of that kind of other stuff that's related to that role playing at its core is making interesting decisions as your character. Um, and sometimes those decisions and, and that is, um, difficult to pull off well as a GM, but I think it's at, it's, it's fundamentally what is most rewarding for players, right? What players will remember is um, moments when they had to make difficult or particularly interesting decisions, um, not moments where they kind of acted in a particular way uh, in the sense of acting as as speaking as a character or something like that. Um, and all of that kind of... All of these things kind of converge together to say that I think you should roll dice regularly um not uh you don't need to have kind of every potential action be a die roll but essentially i think dice should be rolled for pretty much everything meaningful every basically every meaningful choice in the game should be accompanied by some uh decision maker whether that's dice or cards or something like that that um basically every every kind of turning point within the game every decision point every every time the the, the player character asserts themselves in the world that it's a good idea to accompany that with a dice roll. And I think simultaneously, um, good idea for that dice roll to have a pretty high chance of success, not just because that suggests to the player character, their ability to work their will upon the world. Um, but also in my opinion, um, interesting failure requires a limitation on failure on some level that, um, the more failures a system engenders, often the less interesting most of those failures are. Um, And for instance, Rob C called in to uh, Jason's podcast talking about baseball. And I think baseball is actually a really good example of this um, because most at-bats result in an out and nothing else, right? Most of the time, the player at-bat doesn't make any sort of Offensive progress towards um, securing the game for their team. Uh, a, a good batter only gets a hit like you know a third of the time, right? That's a that's a pretty good batter if they're getting hits a third of the time. Um, and I think it is as a direct result of that that most at bats that result in failures don't have particularly interesting kind of failure complications, right? All that is lost really is the opportunity cost of one batter that has turned into one out. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit harder to put together an offensive drive now, because instead of having one out in the inning, you have two outs. And so now it's there's the possibility of forces and things like that. Um, But that Rather than that, I think that if the dice are mostly successful, it is much more possible to and much more reasonable to have uh, more interesting failure conditions, and that it is much more likely to to go that way. Um, combat is another example. I think you know in combat, um, because there are so many dice rolls, and often even um, even in well, based on the way that most systems handle combat, there are often a number of misses. Um, Having a complication occur on a miss becomes either, um, in my opinion, a sort of uh, exercise in futility in the sense that, oh, it's another miss. We have to come up with something else that goes wrong. Um, Or it starts to feel incredibly weighted against combat and that's sort of how i felt when we had combat in cult divinity lost that um the very structure of the game despite the fact that there were combat rules was heavily weighted against combat because it just felt like every time you try to do something in combat you make a little bit of progress and then something complicates things, something goes wrong, something like that. And that, um, to me was unsatisfying in that game. Um, whereas I think the more, uh, investigative play has been, we, we played cult divinity lost again after, uh, more recently and did not have any combat. It was much more fun that time. Um, Anyway, so I think, I think die rolling is actually a, a good thing. Um, to use a game example, one of the things that I think Powered by the Apocalypse games have recognized is this idea that, uh, of, of moves and that moves are what your character can do in order to influence the fiction, and they are how your character influences the fiction, and you have to roll when you do them. I think that's a really good idea that um, if you're, and that sort of ties into what I'm talking about, that um, when your character in a Powered by the Apocalypse game does something meaningful, there is a die roll associated with it. Um, If they're not doing something meaningful, it is not a move, if they are doing something meaningful and it is a move, then there's going to be a die roll. Um, and that I think is a, um, a good way to emphasize, um, the kind of relationship to the game and to the world of the game that I'm really interested in as a, both as a player and a GM, um, And that doesn't necessarily mean uh, success doesn't have to be guaranteed on those things. In a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games, the most common result is, is, say, partial success. Um, But what that means in Powered by the Apocalypse games, I think, is that they get away with more of these uh, partial successes because they're not complete failures. Um, That you can actually have the most common result be partial success um, precisely because it's not a complete failure. It is a partial success and a complication or a partial, you get part of what you want, but not all of what you want. Um, Anyway, so this, my, my preferred, I think what, what I'm getting at is that my preferred game style has to do with a fair bit of dice rolling and a fair bit of, um, and and at the same time, a fair bit of discussion of the dice rolling. You know, um, intent and task discussion I think is important to um, well, I actually think it's important to every game. We just sort of sometimes gloss over it um in our games, especially if we're playing with people that we've played with a lot. Um but at its core, intent and task is I think how we know what the role means. Right, and even in um, in situations like in in sort of OSR combat, where there's going to be a lot of swings and misses, and a lot of swings and hits, uh, and a lot of just kind of you know, well, I swing at the enemy, that sort of thing. Um, I think intent and task is. Is important even in there. It, it is sort of simplified down to its most basic level on some, in some ways, in those situations where there's a lot of dice rolls and a lot of combat, uh, and there's a lot of kind of you know, it's it's kind of down to its most simple form. But I think it's important in those situations too. Um, yeah, so that is sort of my my ideas about how often should you roll dice? Well, you should roll dice about as often as the characters are making meaningful, um, as, as about as often as the players are exercising their agency, essentially. Um, that, that to me is, um, when the dice come out, the dice come out when the players are making a meaningful difference in the world. Um, or not necessarily in the world. Maybe they're making a meaningful difference to the uh, the nature of the game in other ways. And that sort of ties into the, the authorities discussion that I haven't published yet. But um, that is coming at some point. So anyway, and I think tied to that is that um, generally success ought to be... Um, not guaranteed by any means, but that if you want a game that feels... that, that works for that kind of uh, structure where the player's agency is involved directly in dice rolls, I think you need um, a certain level of, of kind of success rate for that. So anyway... Um, yeah, that's sort of my, uh, ideas about, uh, die rolling and success rate and all of that sort of stuff. Um, it's obviously gone on. This is going to be a kind of a long episode, 30 minutes or so. So, um, good thing I didn't do 30 call ins to Jason. That would have been, that would have been interesting. Um, anyway, that is going to be that. So let's go to the outro. All right, that's it. That's the episode. That's all I got. If you have questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, um, let me know, and I will get back to you. You can get a hold of me on Twitter. I'm at couch from Powis. There, also here on Anchor, Anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland, and I have a YouTube channel, Live from Pelham's Wasteland. And um, yeah, it's you know all the the stuff is going and um, in progress and and you know, making, making content and putting out stuff and all that sort of stuff. So, um, hope you have enjoyed. Um, I hope everybody is doing well in this, uh, tumultuous time. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Palms Wasteland and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.